Hi again. Welcome back to Shooting the Breeze with Clement with another episode of Men, Hardship and Triumph, a podcast series that is meant to be a resource for men who are finding this complex world overwhelming to navigate. This is a series of one-on-one chat with men who've gone through life and have experienced some of the difficulties that life can throw at them and was able to navigate to where they are today, contented, change for the better, and much wiser to the world. While discussing their lives, I'm hoping that these guys would also talk about the difficult periods and what strategies they use to survive them and what lessons they have learned from it. For my seventh episode today, I'm very honored that the following guest has agreed to my request for interview. Reverend Bill Cruz is the founder and chairman of the Exodus Foundation, a charity that assists homeless and abandoned youth. The foundation ran the Loaves and Fishes free restaurant in Asheville, New South Wales, which fed 1,000 meals for each day until it closed due to COVID March last year. It now provides free meals through food vans, as well as providing dental, medical, and welfare services for the homeless and needy. The foundation also run an outreach program for homeless and youth. Bill has received many recognitions, including being voted Father of the Year, Humanitarian of the Year, being included in the National Trust of Australia's 100 National Living Treasures, named as one of Australia's 100 most influential people, and was appointed a member of the Order of Australia for his over half a century of tireless work with the disadvantaged and with homeless youth. He was the subject of a documentary film titled A War of Compassion that came out last year, and is currently hosting the radio program Sunday Night with Bill Cruz on Sydney radio station 2GB. And it is the largest Sunday night listening audience in the history of Australian radio. Bill also has a book titled 12 Rules for Living a Better Life, which is a very honest, frank book about his life. A must read for people to understand his philosophy of do as well as reflect. Because as he said in the book, the planet is chock-a-block with people who are quite happy to reflect and navel gaze until the cows come home but it is the actual doing that brings change. Having said all this though, I know that Bill carries a great personal burden all through his life, and yet he has given and continues to give so much to help others. I'm hoping that from today's interview, we could learn from Bill what helped him to be able to get through the difficult periods of his life while keeping his passion to help others burning. I want to start by thanking a friend, Leonie, who listens to Bill's radio program, and who suggested to me to, to approach Bill for this interview. So thank you, Leonie, for that. Bill, welcome. Thank you. I guess what I'm noticing throughout my research of you is that constant feeling of being an outsider. It saddens me, actually, when I read that. Can you give me a little bit more insight as to what's happened there? Well, I think, yeah, I was born in England during World War II at the end of World War II. And so my father was away at the war and I was probably nearly a year old when he came home yeah. from the war. And yeah. I'd been up until then the apple of my mother's eye. Yeah. And I think he wanted to be the apple of his I, wife's eye. Yes. So, in a sense, he pushed me to the margins, I think. Yes. And my mum complied with that. Yes. So, I went from being the centre of attention to being on the edges, you know. And when he, returned, me, when he returned from war, Bill, how old yeah. were you? Uh, I would have been about a year, a bit over yes. a year. Yes. And, yeah, I think... Somehow 
I ended up being pushed to the margins. And then uh, my brother was born. Yes. And because my father is around and all of that, my brother was the apple of his eye. Yes. So not only was I on the outside, I was kind of second place to my brother who was younger than me. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time on the edges feeling Mm. resentful. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, reading your book, it seems like your brother met your Mm. father's ideals of what a boy should be like. Yeah, I I was more a dreamer than that. And my brother was the footballer and the, you know, the one who'd, get a job after work or after school, all of those sorts of things. Whereas I was yeah. the one who was quite happy to yeah. kind of sit around and read. Yeah. So yeah. he kept saying, Bill, you know, a quid's your best friend. Yeah. Go out and earn all the money you can. Protect yourself, all of this. And I was quite yeah. happy just to sit in the park and read books. Yeah. He kept saying, it. don't yeah. be this, be that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Do you think that, he could have been, uh, I remember reading about how he ran a, a business, a chicken business, yeah. and, and somebody got upset and poisoned everything. Do you think it's a lot of that sense of not trusting others came from a, a lot of that past of his? Also, but his life was terrible because um, yeah. his father had suicided. So he basically, in a way, as a kid, lived on the streets as well. Yes. So he didn't have any, and that was in London during the Great Depression. Yes. So he saw people selling their bank books, you know. Yeah. So that okay. he, he had grown up in really hard times. Yes. And that reflected in what he was thinking, you know. Yeah. Whereas I'd, I was growing up in better times. Yeah. And didn't quite fit how he thought the world should be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, didn't fit. yeah. I didn't fit. I was something he didn't quite understand. Yeah. And in those days, there's a lot less understanding of, you know, psychological um, yeah. makeup. But, you know, people, you have to do things a certain way, you know. You got you to smoke Winnie Blue, you got to drive the Ford or, or a Holden, uh, or you got to do this, you, gotta, you know. And, and he, his, his job at one stage was turning on the lights at Air Force bases for the planes to land. Yes. And he would be in a hole with a steel metal thing on the top and the yeah. bullets from the other would belt along the thing. So yeah. he'd spent a lot of his life as a child and a, a young man scared. Yeah, okay. A horrible way to be yeah. growing up. And, and you've got this English thing of, you know, carry on, just yeah. carry on. Stiff just, upper lip, is that what you call it? Yeah. Pardon? What, what do you call it? Stiff upper lip or something like that? Don't, don't Stiff show upper emotions. lip and carry on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I noticed, Bill, with a lot of my clients, a lot of the damage done, like like you said, because of things that happened to them. And, and even though the parents may mean well, right? But yeah. they may not just do it right. And they didn't know they weren't doing right. They loved them, but they're not doing it right. And then the damage is all through their life. Do you feel that that's what you, that's the demons that you were carrying about feeling on the other? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I say everybody should have a good shrink. <laughs> yeah. Because... It's psychotherapy that will clear some of that. Like we're born with a certain amount of baggage, but there's a time when we can address that baggage. And 
then it becomes up to us. And that's what I found. Later in life, I thought, well, I want to address all this baggage. And then that's when things started to change. Yeah. Do you find that, because you talk here about forgiveness and trying to understand, do you think that's a good technique of moving on from the hurts of life is to to forgive the person, you know, not, not necessarily about your father, but it could be about anybody who, who has wronged you, us. You, forgiveness is, is, it's not, but forgiveness is everything because yeah. it frees you. It allows you like, to move forward, right? You, it enables you, like just a few weeks ago, because I've been working on this for years and years and years, and years yeah. just a few weeks, a, a few days, a, a week or so ago, early in the morning I had a dream. Right. And I dreamt I was in my father's arms. And I dreamt I was feeling very, very warm and safe and secure. Wow. wow. And, and it was one of those amazing sorts of feelings. Yes. And it kind of then enabled me to, now I suddenly realised I'd forgiven him. <laughs> yes. I'd forgiven yes. him. Yes. And, and I, it frees me. To look at all the loving things he did. Yes. No? yes. Yeah. So that then began to, it, free, it frees your life up. You yes. can then start to look at other things where you need to be forgiving. Yeah. You know, and um, that, well, that's the start of the, the moving, the forgiving. Yeah. But, and, and you know, I've, I've been with a lot of people where I've hugged them and held them and, made them feel secure. And then I, in the dream, I saw my father doing it to me. And that was, I'm still kind of recovering from that. That's lovely, mate. I'm getting goosebumps hearing that, you know, because I'm, I'm hearing the, I read the whole journey you had with your dad. And when I, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's almost like, it seems like that's a closure that, you know. It's that, a closure. It's a closure. Lovely. That's lovely. You know? Mm. Yeah, now I can look at my marriages, <laughs> my disaster. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get there, mate. We'll get there. <laughs> but we, before we get there, uh, I think as part of forgiveness is the need to understand where they're coming from, right? Because it's hard to forgive yep. when, 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 you, when you don't know where the person's coming from, right? Yep. And it's hard to forgive when you're not fully formed yourself. When you're not fully formed yourself. Explain that to me, please, Bill. A lot of things happen before you can talk or before you've got the words. And oh. you need to find the words. So the timing and, must be right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you think it would, uh, you know, when the timing is right in your situation uh, where even when your dad passed away, you, you said you couldn't even cry. Couldn't so, even cry you couldn't forgive them because the timing wasn't right. You weren't ready. I wasn't ready. So, no. so my question there is, do you feel like, damn, I wish, I wish I could forgive him when he was still alive, you know, to share some better moments or? No. Basically because, how can I put it? How can I put it? All you're doing is kicking yourself. Yeah. Okay. So you're creating it's regret. kind of self-punishment. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I find I do that a lot, that I think, because with my marriages, which you'll talk, you know, yeah. I had 10 years of 
in a way, being distanced from my children. Yes. And now it's come, we're really close. And I can either enjoy what I've got now yes. or kick myself for not having it done earlier. Right. Which nothing um, you can do about anyways, right? Nothing I can do about that, no. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. All right. Again, from the reading that I've, I've done, you said you were using your ministry as a way to avoid the relationships at home. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah. It gives you a good excuse, right? Because what you're doing is a good thing. It's not like you're using gambling or drinking to avoid home, right? You know, so you can say to yourself, well, I'm doing something good here. It's a good excuse for me. Yeah, and it keeps it keeps life going. Like all the time, all through this time, yes. I've been doing psychotherapy, so which forces it back onto yourself. And it's taken me what, 30 years of psychotherapy to get to the point where I am now. So it's a long, slow process. Yes. May I ask, are you close to Jill still or just with the children? No. No. Okay. No, I'm close to the children. Got it. Got it. Okay. Would you say then as part of your coping strategy is to have a psychotherapist? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I think everybody should do it. Everybody yeah. should it. It's a way through the mess. We've all got all this baggage and it's a way to, in a safe environment, yeah. take it out of the cupboard and examine it. Unpack it, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. What about mentors then? You mentioned that Ted. Oh, Ted was my mentor, yeah. He mainly taught me what not to do. <laughs> I actually agree with that, Matt. I, I always say to people, really yeah, I always say to people, you can learn from everybody, even learning what not to do from them. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then we, now I, I have, you know, with kids in trouble and that, yeah. mentors expand your brain because your family and your parents and all of that can only, your brain develops but mentors have a different mindset and all of that sort of stuff. And right. your brain can develop. Oh, it I enables see. your brain, it enables you to see yeah. in a wider perspective. Yes. Or it adds uh, more colours to your rainbow. Yes, 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 yes. Gives you additional ways of looking at the world. Yeah. And this is interesting. You 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 have another mentor called Shirley. So so you don't for you, the sex of the person. It's not, you know, because some people say, oh, male has to be mentored by male. Usually that's a more... This is beneficial. brain stuff. This is brain stuff. It's not... Oh, it's not a, a romantic it's, relationship. It's right. neuron stuff. Right, <laughs> right, got it, got it. So it doesn't really matter who, as long as it's, no. the, it's the right fit. Yeah. Okay. Another thing that you're saying, you are the company that you keep. Would that yes. be another strategy that, that we, we should have, which is like make sure that we surround ourselves with good people? Yes, yes. I was watching a Jordan Peterson video the other what, night. I, I want to interrupt you, was, mate. How, how, what do you think about Jordan Peterson? Because I love that guy. I love him. I, I love him too. A lot of his stuff, I mightn't agree with it. Yes. But, and he, he overthinks, I think. He does but, overthink, doesn't he? But... He's on the money. For me, he's on yes. the money with a lot of things. Yes. And then 
where he goes with that, I might go in a different direction. But, but <laughs> yes, we're on I, the money in the thing. But yeah. and he said, he said, who are your true friends? Yeah. And he said, your true friends are there with you when you're down. Yes. Yes. When you're down, and you go and talk to them, and yes. you tell them your woes. Yes. And they don't tell you theirs. They listen. Yes. And what's more, they rejoice with you when yes. good things happen. He yes. said, everybody else just ignore. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. My, the, it's true. The, the Chinese has a saying, right? Right. Chiu means wine. Ro means meat. Pengyo means friends, right? It basically says you have some friends who are just there to, to enjoy wine and meat, you know, to party with. But when you're facing difficulties, these guys are gone. They're nowhere to be found, you know? And uh, I, I always remember that saying, I'm saying yeah, you know, the, the real friends you have, you can count on one hand. Yeah, and the, the way it was taught to me was that a tree can grow in sandy soil, but it's wilted and whatever. Yes. But you put fertilizer in that tree and it grows amazingly. Yes. And that's what your true friends are and they're yes. the people you need to cultivate. That's one of your rules in, in your book. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. I can't become complacent or smug. I'm always grateful. Is that also yeah. a way of keeping you, you know, solid? Yeah, because, like, I've got this flat now, this unit yeah. that I really love, you know. For the first time in years, I've got a place I really love. You know, I'm not just sleeping there. I love it, you know. Right. And I've got a room, and in the room I put all the things that are precious to me. Yes. Right? Yes. What I know is that I have to be able to give that away. Ah, uh, so this is very Buddhist-like, yeah? No, no attachment. Yeah, to truly, to truly love her. I, I learned this with my kids, that the more you give them freedom, yes, the more they hang around. Yes, and that's a hard part, isn't it, Bill? With... If you try to hold on to them, yeah, they're yeah. gone. Yes, yes. And I've found... The things I've found is you really need to discover yourself yeah. and become strong in yourself, but you need to be able to give yourself away. To be able to give yourself away, you have to know what you're giving away, and there's a freedom in that, and it's painful. Yeah. The other thing I've learned is that pain and suffering are just the other side of love, that Somebody will come to me and they're crying and crying because their loved ones died. Yes. But Jesus, they're lucky. They've had someone to love. Good point. They're lucky. They are lucky. Like yeah. they don't seem to be grateful for the sadness because it's yeah. a reflection of the fact that for once or whatever in their lives, yes. they've known what love is. It's, and it's, so many people I meet have never had any love. It's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. That's right. And it makes yeah. you a better person. Yes. Yes. It, a lot of this is very Buddhist. I'm very influenced by the yeah. Buddha. Very, very influenced. Yeah. And 
I often find a correlation between what he says and what Jesus says, except they put it in different spaces, different paradigms. Yes. As we get older, we tend to be more risk averse. So we start to accumulate things. And And that's stupid. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. Because it takes away from the beauty of life. Like I can sit on a doorstep here with a homeless person. Yeah. And they'll give me everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything. But if I sit with someone who's own staff. Yes. They'll yes. only give me a percentage of themselves. Yes. Yes. And, Some, and I, I want to give all of myself. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody yesterday uh, at the pub, uh, Bill, and he says the most giving people are when he travels to the third world countries when people have so little and they're so willing to share. Exactly. 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 That's something that, that we need to remember that when we, we, we become too attached to material possessions, we lose ourselves, yeah? Yes. I know a lot of people who are billionaires, you know? Yeah. And they never know who their friends are. Oh, that would be hard, isn't it? Because after them for money. Yeah. Yes. They yes. never know. And yes. it's a terrible, terrible space to be in. But you've you've gone through some of that, not, not as a billionaire, but you've gone through, I think you, you've written somewhere, I don't know whether people like me because of what I can give them or because they like yeah. me for who I am. You know, that's a very yes. similar thing, you know. That's it's true, yes. Look, because I'm a minister, you know, and yeah. But also because you're famous. They equate, they equate a minister to Mandrake the magician, you know, you can wave <laughs> Well, well, you that's another good one because as a minister, you're very different from the uh, traditional. <laughs> I'm really and that good. makes me really sad. Yeah. Because it, it creates tensions all the time. Yeah. And, and I, I read about that, your struggles with the, with the church hierarchy when, you know, when the point where, especially when, when you were just having your knee surgery, where after all you've done for the community, you know, they're still judging and yeah. yeah. And, and I find it very curious because you said, I want to stay with the church because I love the church. You know, so I'm, I'm watching this. You have these different sides of you, you know? Yes. Yes. You know? Is it, when, I, when I was with Ted Noss and at that time only men could be ministers, you know? Right. He used to have all this trouble with the church too. And Margaret, his wife, would say, it's that bloody brotherhood, <laughs> she'd say. <laughs> Once they get you in, yes. you're never out of it. And in a way, it's true. Again, then, going back to that attachment we talked about with possessions, isn't that very similar? It, 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 so when then it's an attachment to the organisation, or an attachment yep. to, isn't it? It's, or maybe attachment to power even. Yes, yes. We're all just human, you know, and all these temptations come across us all the time. And I have to, every morning I do this half-hour meditation, every morning, and there's a, a series of steps I do to remind me of the temptations that are, that are around. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because even now, right, you, there is still temptations in different forms, right? Yes, yes. They come and 
bite you on the bum when you least expect it. Yes. <laughs> one, one of the things I found, I, I, a lot of this I just pick up as I go along, is that when you face crises in your life, they can either break you or break you open. Yeah. And I try now to be broken open rather than broken. Right. Because when you're broken, you get mean and dispirited and punish the world. And why has this happened to me? And when you're broken open, you think, how can I deal with this? Like one, one way I can explain that is that this has just come to me recently too, that before my second wife and I had any children, we were going to adopt a baby from India. Yes. A little baby. Yes. And we'd even named her Indria. And what yes. happened was that we were just ready to sign all the papers and Jill fell pregnant. Yes. And, of course, we didn't do it. And there's always been a kind of an Indria-shaped hole in my heart. Yes. So what I'm doing now is I'm looking to adopt or, or pay for a little baby in India. Yes. Which will not fill that hole, yes. but break that hole open. So I don't die with not having a little Indria somewhere, you know. Do, do you think then that that little Indria that you didn't have is what encouraged you to, I don't know, for the lack of a better word, go international? Because I noticed that your caring is not just Sydney. No? No. no. So it's before that. It's as a whatever, whatever, I try to deal with the issue that's right in front of me. Got it. And that could be anywhere. And the, the thing I find, because my congregation in those days was really multinational, right? Yes. We yes. were caught up in every situation around the world. Oh, no way. Yes. There was somebody in my church or someone in our group, and there still is, who was affected by it. So you get caught up. And yes. what I found when I go overseas, what I've learned is to say yes to everything. Because most stuff falls away, but you end up in the most interesting circumstances. Right, right. Look, so the places I go overseas aren't, I don't go to look at the scenery, I go to meet certain people. Yes. And I see the scenery on the way. But I mean, anyway. That's a secondary and, thing. Right. Yeah, people are people everywhere. They're the same. Yeah. This is one of the things I don't understand why we try to divide people, whether yeah. by race or whatever, whatever, whatever. We try and divide people. Yes. And it's a false division. It's not the real thing. It's is not. It, do you think it's just us being insecure? It's a way of, because when, yeah. I noticed that when you have this kind of divisions, then you can blame a lot of your inadequacies on others, you know? So, yep. so I could I could blame I don't know my my incompetence in life to I don't know the uh, the terrorist Arabs or whatever you want to call it you know because it takes away my feelings of I messed up in life is it would it, you agree it takes your power away because it means you can't do anything about it you can't address it right right okay so you this, you could be this you could, it's your issue it's yeah. your issue not all these other people what yeah. are you going to do about your issue 
That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and that's what I, I do at me. I put the spotlight at me and I say, this is, these are my thinking. What am I going to do to address the thinking I've got? Is the thinking wonky? If it's wonky, let's have a look and let's see. So how do we test the, how, think, the thinking is wonky or not, Bill? Pardon? How do we, how do we test? If the if the thinking is wonky or not, do we do we ask others? Psychotherapy. To... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I say to my children. Yeah. I say to my children because they'll come with all these issues, yeah. and I say, "But I'm your father. I love you. Yeah. I love you. I'm your father. I will stand beside you. But you got these issues. You better talk to someone who's totally like I'm biased. Yes. <laughs> I'm biased. Go yes. and talk to someone." And get yes. your issues sorted out yes. with someone else. But I'll hold your hand while you go and do it. Yes. Because I will give them my point of view, which might be what I'd like to see them do, which yes. is exactly what did to me. Yes, yes, yes. So, so you, you're still invested, right? Without you know I'm what or not. Yeah. I'm okay. invested in holding their hands and loving them yeah. while they deal with their shit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, actually, on that note, right? Uh, something else. We talk forgiveness. We talk about trying to understand the other person. But when you're talking about fixing your relationship with your children, you talk about apologizing, and that's powerful oh, yeah. too, right? You know, to able oh. to to own up to you know your your mistakes of the past, right? And listening, listening, and saying when they say, "Dad, you did this. You did that. You did the other," right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say, oh, but I did that because yeah. of this, and I did that because yes. of that. Because it would have been, it would have been very hard to. to yeah, to, and I'm not really in. listening. I'm yeah. looking for excuses. Yes, you're defending yourself. So I have to, I have to suck it up <laughs> and yes. say, yes, I hear you. Yeah, and I'm sorry it happened. Yeah. Yes, like they're not interested in the excuses. Yes. they're interested in the feelings. Yes, yes, it takes. A certain you got to be, you got to arrive to a certain place of being comfortable in your own skin, though, Bill. Before exactly before you can start to apologize, you know, because I know a lot of people that they know they're wrong, but they can't bring it up to this the, the son I haven't talked to for 20 years. I know I messed up that, and I should apologize, but I just can't, you know, because then they're just not ready, you know. And I say that's dumb. <laughs> it is. Sure is. Yes. yes. I can't say that, though, because that's my job. I just... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Neither can I. But it's dumb. <laughs> but I can say that to myself. I can say that is dumb thinking, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. How, how is it now uh, when you're saying that you're slowly um, repairing relationships with the, with the children? Are you in a good place now, Bill? Like, I want to I, I wanna hear you. You're in a good place, you know, because... Oh, yes. I, yeah. I am in a good place. What the thing I fight with all the time is why, how come it took 10 years? And <laughs> I feel so bad for those 10 wasted years. And yes. what, I, what that does is that destroys the wonder of the lovingness now. Aha, uh -huh. that's a regret because, you talked about earlier. Yeah, because if I, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say the relationship I've got now yeah. is far, far better, yes. I believe, than what most fathers have with their children. Wow. And it came through that 10 years of suffering yes. and that 10 years of, of trying new ways until we found the way to do it and found the words so that it's, and what I'm doing by saying 
this should have happened years ago, is denying the beauty of what, what it is now. Yeah, yeah. But without those 10 years, you know, you may have needed those 10 years to get to where you are, right? So, exactly. You know, so exactly. it's not really a loss. It's not wasted. It's just you no, becoming... It's just the one it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's lovely. A question about the differences between you and the uh, traditional church. <laughs> you know. Oh, the, yeah. <laughs> traditional church is, is you know, there's, there's this thing where a part of your book, again, it says, basically, you know, uh, by faith. And you said, no, nah, no, nah, it's by works. Basically, I'm summarizing. Oh. You, know, you, you can say that, you know, oh. Oh, I, you know, I'm saved by faith, therefore I don't have to do jack. But you said, no. But, <laughs> but, but, but you have to trust. And f- another word for faith is trust. Yes. And yes. you can't do the stuff without trusting. Yes. I know that sounds... You can't walk into the, what I like to do is walk into the universe and see what the universe throws back to me. Yeah. But I have to walk into the universe trusting yes. that it's a good thing to do. Yes. And, and I think this, and is where you, this is where you differ with a lot of people, Bill, because a lot of places that you expose yourself to, a lot of people would think two, three times, they go, you know, oh, this is scary. Oh, this is overwhelming. Yes. But you go, you said this is scary, this is overwhelming, but I have faith, I have trust that it's going to be okay. I, you I, have anyway. seen, I have seen too many times walking in the footsteps of Jesus, put it that way, that what he talks about is true. It's, it's real. It's more real than true because real is more important than true, I think, or, or true if it's true, it's real, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And yeah. but Jesus really didn't deal so much in words; he dealt in the experience. And I don't think you can. So much of Christianity is head stuff, where people yes. read and write yes. and all that. Yeah. So but, it becomes philosophical, but no action, right? Yeah, and it becomes unloving. Yeah. You can you can write all you like about love, but you don't have to be loving to do it. I think at one point you're saying we we you know the, the church becomes stuck to the doctrines, you know, yes. and it becomes rigid. Yes. You know, everything has to yes. follow follow the book. I, I think uh, what, what was it? One of the things uh, I read uh, which I, I laughed, you said something along the line of I was doing the washing of the feet, and then they asked they asked the question. Were you wearing your robe? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. that, that sounds so ridiculous, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and it's, it's not that. And it's kind of, yeah, it's just you've got to do it. Like, you've got to do the words. You've got yeah. to do it. Yeah. And people think the words are enough, and they're not. Yeah. Because you cling to the words. And the words become an attachment. And I often think of Jesus and the rich young man or whoever. Yeah. And he said, you've got to give everything up. Yeah. yeah. Give it up. And, and he, was saddened, up. he was saddened by the fact that a young man couldn't do it. Yeah. 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 Because it's, it's too much to ask for him, you know, for the person. Yeah. yeah. And, and what, what I find is you've got to look at what's too much to ask for to give up. Yes. And then look at why you can't give it up. Right. 
and that's really scary. Why is because, it scary? Because to me, for, for 99% of the population, that what's scary is to give away. Because for me, what would be scary is, yeah, I would be thinking that most people would be like the young man, especially the fact that you said he was rich, right? Uh, in the parable. So for him, he has so much more to lose. So to me, that, that would be the scary part. But you're saying no. Clarity. But he has such a lot to gain. Yes, yes, yes. He has okay. such a lot to gain. Yes. He has, he has such a lot. Like yeah. what I've learned is you are who you are. You learn who you are in the reflection you see in the eyes of the other. So you and I looking, yeah. I, look at, I see a reflection of me in you. Right. In what, and I learn a bit about myself and vice versa. We yes. form this relationship, really yes. relationship. So we learn who we are in company, but we yes. kind of can then filter that through meditation, if you get what I mean. Right. Okay. You know, okay. because we could become part of the Nazi party, say. You know? Right, right, <laughs> because right. We get in and we all blah 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 all together, this and that and the other. Yes. But it's when we meditate then yes. and look at, we can then filter. And the, so the two things work together. One one opens us out, yeah, and the other kind of filters what's coming in, you know. So th this is the problem that I'm seeing with social media, then Bill, where people become Polarize, you know, because it's so easy to find somebody who thinks exactly like you, and and therefore yeah. you, can't, you can't you can't have a conversation with people who don't think like you because you don't have to. That's right. There's there's always somebody who this, thinks like me. This is why I like Jordan Peterson <laughs> 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 because oh. he, he comes to often he comes to conclusions totally different to me, but I love him. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, because but, of that, I can yeah. dialogue. Yes. Do, do you think that the ability to dialogue we have lost now? Because it seems to be, if I don't like what you're saying. I think it's innate in us. And I think as society evolves, yes. it kind of ejects certain things and there's fads and fashions and all of that. So that today's today isn't tomorrow's today. <laughs> yeah okay okay when you said it's innate in us is it it's innate to reject things that do not confirm our beliefs or, or well, well we're going through all this anxiety and all this loneliness and yeah. all of that you know and people say to me maybe i should get a dog and then i won't be so lonely <laughs> and i say but go out in the street and talk yeah. to your neighbors yes at the moment, we feel we're anxious about our neighbours, we're anxious about this and that, you know. Yes. I think society, I think that will get corrected in time. There'll be so much suffering. People will say, this is rubbish, you know, we've got to yeah. get out and connect again. Is that also because, I don't know, bad news sells and boring good news doesn't? So yeah, We bad. become fearful of the outside because of what we read or what we yes. see. Yes, and there are forces trying to strengthen that. There are, that's what, why, you know, that's why I see growing in sandy soil. This is why you need to, I feel you need a good shrink and meditate 
so yeah. that you can sift through yes. that, you know? Yes. And, and I'm continually amazed in a way at how evil the forces of darkness are. Yeah, yeah. In your book, you says you haven't found an, a, a, a new shrink to replace Bob. Have you found a new oh, shrink? Oh, <laughs> Bob, Yeah. Bob, Bob. No, I've got a new one now. <laughs> good, good. Okay. Takes me a long time. Yes, because you have to fit with the person, right? Yes, yes. What, what I've learned in all of this is that actually being really heard is healing. And I, I kind of, there's a book I write about the book called Never Split the Difference, where the guy yes. deals with terrorists. Yes, yes. And he found, because you, you can't split the difference with them because then half the people get killed rather than all of them. And right. he said what he found was giving his own personality away and getting into the mindset of the other yes. was, was a way all of a sudden the other one would, would give in. And, you know, Jesus talks about, Buddha talks about that, but to find yourself, you've got to give yourself away. Yes. And that comes from sitting beside somebody and going on and sitting beside them while they go on their journey and going on the journey with them but not being engulfed by the journey. I like that, your, your explanation of the difference between empathy and sympathy. You know, yes. it, it really, really, I learned that, you know, so sympathy is about me, you know, empathy is about yes. the person you're trying to. Yes. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit for, for the audience? What we're yeah. talking about? Well, sympathy is when someone comes to you and says, I've broken my leg yeah. and you go, oh, I know just how you feel. I broke my leg two years ago and, <laughs> and I was in agony, blah, 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 blah. Yes. You know, yes. yes. it's all about me. Yes. Empathy is where you, someone comes and says, I've broken my leg, and you say, oh, you'll be in such pain. Yeah. How do you cope with the pain? Um, or it's about them. It's not about you. Yes. How uh, your pain, it's, there's no I statements. It's just you yeah. and how yeah. you and blah, blah. Yeah. Sympathy is all I statements. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the guy is suffering and you make it about you. So yes. imagine how he feels, right? <laughs> or what's even worse, what's even worse is you say, oh, my, my friend I had three years ago broke their leg and I saw their pain three years ago. It's not about <laughs> them. You know what I mean? Right, right. Oh, that was good. At the end of your book, when you say, I can say I'm doing my best, are we talking legacy? No. No. Thomas Merton said the search for God is the search for yourself. Right. And doing your best is to find the best you. I don't even know what, or find the most you. Yeah. Because what I'm finding is to find the most me, I can give that away, but I can find the most Call it of all that is. <laughs> of, I, I don't, I, that's, that's the quest, all that is. That I grew up a lonely, isolated little boy. Yeah. And I've gone through all the traumas that I went through. And 
I'm still on the journey. It's a journey throughout for, for the whole of your life, a journey. And there's always new discoveries, always new wonders to discover, always new wonders. And do, yeah. Do you think that what you went through as a child, which benefited so many people at your cost, do you think that, you know, there were times you go, because, because if you hadn't gone through what you had gone through, you know, like you said, you, you could go either way. You could go, you can become very mean or you could be understanding of what people can experience and therefore you want to help them. I wonder whether sometimes you go, geez, this is too hard. Oh, which I, yeah. But what I've learned is to be grateful for that because that's on the verge of a new breakthrough. When it's too hard, it's the verge of a when new breakthrough. Too hard okay. is usually when it's got so for me, it's like the alcoholic who gets to the point where he says, if I have one more drink, I'm going to die. Uh-huh. I love drinking and I know I want to drink and I can't drink anymore and I've hit the wall. Yes. That's when they change. Yes, yes. And it comes in, like I was, I speak a lot in Speaker's Corner in London and there's an old guy there who was up and he said, I was a criminal. You, you know any criminal deed and I've done it. I've done it. Yeah. He said, and I've been in jail more than half my life, he said. And he said, and one day he said I was in jail and Jesus came and visited me. And said, Oi, Fred. Jesus spoke with a Cockney accent. With a Cockney accent. <laughs> you can either go up here or down there. Which way do you want to go? Right. And I said, I want to go up there. Now, psychologically, he had hit the wall. Yes. And he was saying to himself, Do I want to destroy myself? Yes. Or am I going to keep being broken or am I going to break open? Yes. And he broke open. And that's what the way I've learned to, when things get too much, to realize I'm on the verge of breaking free. Is that what we in the business call reframing? I don't know. I just know it works. Yeah. yeah. No, because it is, it, this could be a strategy that our listeners could use, right? That when you get to the darkest hour, that usually means then if you, if you can persevere a little bit more, there should be some light at the end of that. Well, there, there always is. Yeah. There always is. There's always a way through, a way through. What, one of the things I've learned, like Ted Nosh used to say, if you want to find God, you go to the hells of the world. And yeah. what I've learned is in the hells of the world or in the, the Nazi concentration camps where people were dying and all of that, the acts of kindness stand out. The loving acts in those places stand out. And yet they're no more loving than to go on in every in millions of families and millions of people all around the world every day. But we don't notice them because they're so common. Yes. So that the acts of loving kindness and compassion are all around us. We just don't notice them. Where they really stand out is in the blacknesses. So, so what are you saying? That because we see it all the time, we become 
not appreciative of the... We, we become blind to them. We just think they're natural. Right. It's only when you see them in an unnatural setting yes. that you really appreciate yes. how wonderful they are. Yes. The, the, and then the, you can take them back into this world and see them everywhere, see them, and see that we've all got this or most of us have got this capacity and yet we don't appreciate it in one another. Whole yeah. way around looking at human beings. That's fantastic. So, so you're saying even if you want to be selfish, good way to make you appreciate life is, is by going in, in, in the darkest places because what you take out of that is that when you go back to your normal place, you start to appreciate all the kindness around you. You see it. Yeah. You see it. You see it. Yeah. You see the wonder. You yeah. see it. If I was to ask you, what would be your most important tip to our male audience? What you would say the most important tip you could give them? Trust. Trust. Right. You don't know what you trust in, but just trust. Just trust in your better feelings. Put it that at the low. Like the best way I can explain it is with Aboriginal kids in the Northern Territory, teaching them to read, we said, look, once you can read, you can get a driver's licence. One of the guys came to me and said he was going into the room and above the door it said workroom. And this young boy was learning to read. Right. And he goes, work room, work room. Yes. A few weeks later, he came to me and he said, I've just realised I can go to university if I want. Wow. And it started off, Yes. you'll get your driver's licence. Yes. And it ended there. And what I'm saying is trust in getting your driver's licence. Yes, yes. Oh, and it opens and the up the major thing will happen. Yes. Yes. Is there any time where the trust didn't work out? For, for you, anyways. Is there any time you go, oh, man, there was, <laughs> that didn't work out well? Is there anything like that at all? So many times. So many. <laughs> so many times when something is really beautiful is happening and I'm connected to all that is and feeling really wonderful and really special and all of that. Yes. And within days, that experience is gone in a welter of sadness. And it teaches me that value what you've got now. Because... Uh, appreciate the moment, yeah? Appreciate the moment because it won't last. Yeah. The good moments and the bad moments won't yeah. last. Yes. I, I imagine that's what trusting is, that this won't last. <laughs> yeah. Again, I don't know why today I'm quoting Chinese sayings, Bill, but there's another Chinese saying, right? It's all the same. <laughs> People are it's all the same. There's a saying that uh, there, there is no banquet that doesn't end, you know? So that means there's no party yes. that doesn't end, right? Exactly. But, but a lot of people think it's just about good times. I said, no, 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 no. But that no, no, also no. means that even the bad times, if you persevere long enough. That's end, right. You know? That's right. Trust. Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much for your generosity. But I hope it's been helpful. Oh, it's, I just enjoy talking to you, mate. <laughs> good on you. Good um, on you. Well, come over. Come over one day and have a cup of tea.
We'll do. We'll I'm do, serious Bill. about that. I'd love to do that. Thank you, Will. We'll do for sure. I'll come in. Please. Are you at Asheville still? Yes. Yeah, we'll do it. Okay. Okay. At about minute 35, Bill talked about the story of the rich young man which came from the New Testament of the Bible. For those of you who aren't familiar with the story, it goes like this. A young man asked Jesus what actions bring eternal life. First, Jesus advises the man to obey the commandments. When the man responds that he already observes them and asks what else he can do, Jesus adds, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he became very sad because he was wealthy and unwilling to do so. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And there was Bill Cruz, listeners. His radio program is Sunday Night with Bill Cruz on Sundays at 2GB at 9 p.m., which is a melting pot of spiritual, topical, and personal discussions into the issues confronting the people of Sydney. His movie, A War of Compassion, can be seen on vimeo.com. That's V-I-M-E-O.com. His book, 12 Rules for Living a Better Life, can be purchased from all of the usual hard copy and soft copy outlets. I really hope you enjoyed listening to this interview as much as I did interviewing Bill. A summary of Bill's strategies and what he learned are listed below. Number one, to have a good psychotherapist to clear the baggage that we asked. Number two, to forgive because it frees you and allows you to move forward. Number three, to have mentors because they give you additional ways of looking at the world. Number four, to surround yourself and cultivate friendships with good people because they help you grow. Number five, to let go of what you love because if you hold on, they will go away. Number six, to discover yourself so you can become strong in yourself. Number seven, to know that pain and suffering is just the other side of love. Number eight, to meditate on the temptations that are around. Number nine, to know that crisis can either break you or break you open. Number 10, to learn to say yes to everything. Number 11, to own up to your mistakes and be willing to apologize and listen to the harm you've done with your mistakes. Number 12, to push through the darkest hour because there is usually a dawn at the end of it. Number 13, to appreciate what you have now. This brings me to the end of the Man, Hardship, and Triumph podcast series. I will do another short episode tying up all the points that were mentioned by multiple guests, which show that while people may have some ways of surviving difficult times in their own ways, there are also some ways that seem to be quite universal. I really would appreciate any kind of feedback from you so that I can improve this podcast. You can email me on clementcounseling at gmail.com. That's counseling with two L's. My next series of podcasts will be titled Men, Parenting, and Triumph, discussing issues that men deal with while parenting. Hopefully, like this series, the interviewees will have some good strategies they use that listeners can learn from and be able to use in their own lives. Again, thank you very much for listening to my podcast. If you want to read my blogs, they are on my website, clementjaya.com. Until next time.